Today's episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock.com, you'll find the perfect video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, advertising, multimedia presentation, or other type of film. You can choose from over 2 million high-quality stock video clips, 2D animations, and 3D motion graphics. They have clips in a variety of digital formats from low-res for web usage to HD, that's high definition, and now some in 4K. Shutterstock ensures you get quality and selection from its video clip libraries. Many contributors to Shutterstock are professional filmmakers, which you will know if you go and look at the images and the videos. They look professional quality. Shutterstock reviews each video individually for content and quality before adding it to its library, and they have over 20,000 video clips every week. So every time you visit, you'll find something new. They also have flexible pricing. You can choose between individual clips or video packs for the best deal. Shutterstock makes it easy. Today, I found an awesome video on Shutterstock of lightning. Yeah, it's really cool. And in fact, there are a bunch of videos of lightning, which you should totally check out. Uh, You find the video, you save it to your clip box, and then you can use them and share them with others. Uh, You can try Shutterstock today by signing up for a free account. No credit card is needed. Just start an account, begin browsing Shutterstock to help imagine what your next project will be like, and save video selections to your clip box. Once you decide to purchase, use the offer code NWP1114, and new accounts will receive 20% off footage clips. That's Shutterstock.com, and for 20% off any new video clips uh, with a new account, use the offer code NWP1114. We thank Shutterstock for their support. Now entering Nerdist.com. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel series. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, and let me know who you'd like to see on this series. I'm always looking for new ideas for TV show, movies, books, comics, anyone you like who writes things. Do me a favor, though, and check the archive to see if we've already had that person on whom you would like to hear from. Uh, I am a television writer. I've written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and I'm currently on the Netflix uh, DreamWorks show Puss in Boots. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage production in the style of old-time radio, which is a weekly podcast here on the Nerdist Network. For more information, visit thrillingadventurehour.com. Each and every Nerdist Writers Panel benefits 826LA, the national writing program for students. Uh, Please check them out at 826LA.org. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel that is hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. You're, I'm regret. This is resentment. So. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice so to works meet out. you. <laughs> we have our own skill sets. <laughs> Unique. <laughs> well, we're doing it, you guys. Great. In fact, I'm going to start with you saying we have our own skill sets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we will get into that. Why don't you introduce yourselves uh, on the microphones, and then we'll get rolling. Hello, I'm Michaela Watkins. And I'm Damon Jones. Thank you guys for being here. You are the creators of USA's Benched, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which I can genuinely say that I enjoyed. Uh, and and uh, you guys should be very proud of the show. Thank you so Thanks, much. Man. I um, want to hear how you, uh, what you say when you don't. Like, how oh, would you, how, what does it sound like? You, you would know. <laughs> 
I don't say I enjoyed it. I say congrats on the show. Oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> Just oh my God, everybody hates our show. Because it's hard enough to get it made, but to get a show made well is <laughs> really difficult. I mean, oh you guys... Gosh. Yeah. I, I want to talk about your background as creators, but I know you both as actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know how difficult it is to make these things. Um, yeah. Or or we don't. I mean, maybe it's that, that like, <laughs> naivete that we have that we're like, oh, how hard can it be? <laughs> we it, just did it. it. I don't know, because this is our first... Well, I guess it's your second show. Dan. Yeah, my second show. What, what was the first show? Um, I did a show on Comedy Central called Halfway Home. Mm-hmm. That I created with one of our current cast members, oh, really? uh, Oscar Nunez, oh, no uh, for Comedy Central a few years ago, uh, and with uh, Kevin Ruff, and the three of us had met at the Groundlings mm-hmm. a long time ago, and it was a show about, and it had Octavia Spencer mm-hmm. in it, and Kevin Ruff, and uh, Regan Burns, but it was a show about a bunch of paroled inmates living in a halfway house in Echo Park. So it's kind of the same theme that I've, I tend to obsess about, which is justice system things, um, which kind of led us to Benched. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Um, I want to let's take a step back and just talk briefly about how you guys came to create this together. Uh, I assume you've, you're a Groundlings person as well, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Um, so I assume you know each other from there. Or yeah, that's, that's where we met. That's where we met. Yeah. Um, and but how did it become a working collaboration? Well, it's funny or because a writing collaboration. Uh, because you know, Damon and I are friends, but it's not even like we were like BFFs who you know uh, are just finishing each other's sentences. The reality is, is that at at the Groundlings, you know, you do all kinds of all kinds of sketches happen there. Mm-hmm. You know, con- conceptual or broad based or character based and. For Damon and me, it was more like every time we did a scene together, it was a it was a slice of life of two very real people having a, a moment, <laughs> you know, uh, like very and and what I really love with writing with Damon is that it kind of brings out in each of us uh, we like to have fully realized characters who kind of hit the ground running, which I think is sort of a groundling emblematic thing. I think mm-hmm. that's what they teach us, but. But even if, you know, it's not about, like, like lights and lasers and, you know, f- and wigs for us. It's more about, like, um, it's more just about um, the behavior of, of two people talking. Mm-hmm. So our, our scenes were kind of pretty mellow when we would write together uh, of just two people sitting in a couch. That's not to say we don't write those other things, but together that's what we spark in sure. each other is two people usually sitting on a couch and it's five minutes of, of their life. What? Uh, let me, uh, and I'm going to interrupt you guys all the time on this because I'm going to want to We interrupt each other all That's okay time. because <laughs> I, I realize I didn't answer your question yet. That's right. We'll get um, to it. Because, um, <laughs> well, inevitably you will say something that I'm going to want to go deeper on. And, mm-hmm. and it is that thing of um, just two people on a couch. like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I'm in the same boat. Like I find that to be the best drama and the best comedy. Um, where does that come from for each of you? What is the stuff that you guys responded to growing up that caused you to create this sort of uh, uh, comedy? Well, I think for the most part, when Michaela and I get together to write, I think we discovered that about 85% of the time we were just talking about our lives <laughs> mm-hmm. and our relationships and our families and how we got to be the people we are. And, and our lovers. And our oh. <laughs> So many. So many lovers. So many for so Michaela. Many. Should we for just me, spend the rest of the time <laughs> listing them? Yeah. Oh, yes. For me, that would be a very short podcast. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, but we would, I think, to kind of um, elaborate on what she was saying, I think we find real characters funnier than the broader stuff that I think the Growlings is known for, even though there's mm-hmm. a broad range of characters that that have been created there. Um, it's mostly, you know, like, a, I think it's known as, like, this Saturday Night Live yeah. farm team and very broad, big characters, but we always found... 
that real people were funnier. And I think we, when we decided to write something together, you know, I wanted to set it in a very real world. And uh, Michaela had always brought a very, uh, a very more rich, kind of subtle acting style to her groundly sketches. And we always had fun that way. And, and it's just, it's more interesting. I think there's so much more material mm-hmm. when it's based in the real world. Sure. And Damon is from Texas. So he comes from like the repressy, Texasy kind of thing, <laughs> where he repressing. likes to, uh, repressy, repressy is Texasy. He is really, I would say that you're captivated by sort of the darker underbelly that people socially don't feel like it's okay to talk about. And yeah. you're really interested in that. You know, we're both very socially conscious. We're both like sort of, I would say, um, social justice is big on both our plates. Um, and then on my end, I'm from the Jewy, um, like sort of neurotic East Coasty thing. And so I'm obsessed with behavior, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like as a kid, I shouldn't have been as interested in thirty something as I was because that was a very emotionally, <laughs> emotionally <laughs> heavy show mm-hmm. for a sixth grader. But yes. I love to watch adults figure their shit out. Can yeah. I say shit? It's encouraged. Okay. Um, so, so I think those were those two blends uh, is sort yeah. of the halves of benched, but there's a lot of overlap. Like I said, sure. that we're both very interested in injustice overall. But I think that 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 those were our sort of our what we brought to it mm-hmm. together. So um, to answer your earlier question, when Damon said, you know, I have an idea that's set in the public defender's office, then it's you know. I have an idea for a lady character, you know, and then we, uh, who, you know, we decided the best thing is that she falls from grace. And that was eventually we had this sort of opening scene was something was actually a groundling sketch of a woman who gets passed over. But that, that ended oh, really? up being a, more about doors because she could never leave the room after yelling, telling. Which, that was some great comedy. <laughs> like that is one of my favorite kinds of comedy. The elevator doors not closing mm-hmm. or trying to slam a door that's one of those uh, no slam doors yeah. <laughs> love that shit I and love you guys played it so like you let it live in the moment and I'm sure that's the director as well but uh, it was a really nice scene actually we have we have to a little bit fight for for living in moments on television mm-hmm. um, I think if Damon and I I'm going to speak for you a little bit if we had our way I think we would draw those scenes out a little Sorry. more but we get it I mean TV is a 21 minutes is sure 21 minutes and, and yeah. people want to see stuff it like is, change. Absolutely. Change. They don't want to see kitchen scene theater. <laughs> theater yeah. It's amazing to me how much story you pack into 21 minutes, though. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I just want to follow up on a couple of Groundlings things. Um, because of this interest in real characters and real situations, did you guys fit into Groundlings? Like, how did you... How, because Groundlings, like you say, tends mm-hmm. to be sort of bigger, sort of broader, very character, uh, breakout character-based, mm-hmm. as if that's the goal, is creating breakout characters. Um, how did that jibe with what you guys wanted to do? And what did you take from the training from there? Gosh. Um, as far as uh, the, the realness of characters, and, you know, I think that's what Groundlings is known for, because... Mm-hmm. I think what people around the world know the Groundlings for is the people that show up on Saturday Night Live and those big, broad characters. But some of the, my favorite people, and one of the reasons I joined the Groundlings, Mike McDonald, mm. uh, who wound up directing a couple of our episodes and was on Mad TV. I mean, I thought on stage as an improviser, he was so subtle mm-hmm. and just so quiet and still. But like, it, 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 the comedy was excruciating because he played awkwardness 
so well. And I think that's what Michaela and I relate to character-wise is just living through awkwardness and being uncomfortable <laughs> in so many situations. Socially. Every second of the day. Yeah, every <laughs> second. Yeah, and it's and that's what we, like I said, it's what we wind up talking about when we're writing. More is just our like. How did I handle this wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what we put into Nina. This this character is that I think what we came out with with Benched is that we're really interested in people that are pretty good at their jobs but handle their lives really terribly. You know, they just don't handle social situations yeah. very well, and that's Nina in a nutshell. And it's Eliza handles that. Just yeah. makes that fly, mm-hmm. you know, she because she it. she looks so together, you know. She's so striking, and mm-hmm. we, you know, she's a very good lawyer, obviously, but just emotionally, she just can, <laughs> she she just screws the pooch mm-hmm. so much, and that's where the comedy comes from. Yeah, that juxtaposition must be really fun to write too. It it really is, yeah. It yeah. is. I mean, I think, th- you know, I think it's just so fun to explore people's flaws and their shortcomings and. Uh, and it, it's it's a little like behavior porn, you know, to to, <laughs> to Great way to put be it. able to be a voyeur and watch people in situations that we find ourselves in, but manipulate what happens mm-hmm. in our fantasy version of how it goes down, you know. Sure. And but I think we like staying true to it. Somebody was saying something to me about, you know, transparent. Mm-hmm. And somebody was saying, well, how can you watch this family of, you know, selfish people? And I, uh, my feeling was, it's fascinating. I, 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 I get for people who want their TV super rosy and they want all their characters to be people they want to be when they grow up and aspire to be. That's great. I think that's super boring. But, you know, yeah. Godspeed, go watch that. But I think it's more interesting to see people who are flawed working out their their stuff and uh you know can i digress for one second we had this idea at the end of our episode without giving anything away of what happens to one of our characters Mm -hmm. and um one day damon and i came into the writer's room like super hot-headed about this idea that was so crazy it just might work kind of idea where one of our main characters takes a, a crazy left turn and elopes and every, like, right down the middle of the room, the men versus the women got so upset, so upset, because yeah. I think the men really looked up to this guy and felt like it was wow. a really bullshit, like, like scaredy pants, crappy move. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to see their hero guy mm-hmm. anything, make, make a bad decision. It's hard to make, yeah, a fictional character. <laughs> Whereas yeah. the women love the idea. And the women love the idea because I think it was... It was exciting. I mean, it was spontaneous, yeah. and people have done really erratic, horrible things to screw up their lives every <laughs> once in a while, and 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 it. But but they. It was just so funny how it was divided between men and women about who who they wanted to be perfect and who who yeah. wasn't allowed to be perfect. It, was, it was really, really interesting. interesting. Yeah. How, how does that get resolved? I mean, we know uh, we should say you guys have a showrunner, uh, John Enbaum, yeah. ran the show. He racks our world, um, and I yeah. assume he was in the room day to day, day to day. He with ran the staff. Him, yeah. yeah. So when you guys come in, how how often were you guys in the room? All the time. Oh, if really? um, it, we were either on set or in the room, and so luckily because there's two of us, we got to split mm-hmm. up. So. Um, for some sometimes you know Damon would take the morning on set and I would be in the room in the morning or we and we would switch it up in the afternoon uh that kind of thing yeah but so John, when, yeah go ahead. John actually had uh, has a ton more experience in mm-hmm. writers rooms than we did mm-hmm. and um 
just I, he we went and got him because he you know was one of the creators of Party Down, which is like the gold standard for us in comedy and in the tone and just yeah. the sophistication of the comedy and, and just the the desire to push you know, um, and so it, we I. I I think we learned so much about just story oh structure and infrastructure, <laughs> and, and it just it it was it's just really really cool. And I would joke that we were a triumvirate of where I would say like Damon, you know, if you had a legal question, everybody like would look to Damon, like Damon, are you allowed to? And nine <laughs> times out of ten, if Damon didn't know, Damon knew who to ask. Yeah. And then uh, and then I would be like, and this is how everybody's feeling. And then <laughs> and then John would be like, great, but what is happening? Right. Yeah. <laughs> how do we make a story? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an amazing triumvirate though. Like it that, was it really was. I think that shows in the show. You know, yeah. like okay. as I say, this the story is packed in. You've got a lot yeah. of story in 21 minutes, and mm-hmm. a lot of characters who immediately from the pilot uh, are strong and really pop, and which is a phrase I hate. But um, and it, it's as much about law as feelings, and uh, you know, it, it all works in that way. So, mm, you. you did find oh, that thanks. that chemistry, thank uh, you, which thank is you. hard to do. Yeah, we, you know, it's it's such an interesting world to me. I mean, I'm fascinated by everything about the American justice system and just like the hypocrisy of it and the things that work and the things that really, really don't mm-hmm. work. And I, you know, we. I've spent a lot of time sitting downtown, like just at the courts building, just watching. Like this is where you <laughs> go. And these are the lawyers you get when you can't afford a lawyer. Yeah. And it's kind of <laughs> terrifying. Mm. But also, like, I want to, you know, I'm a comedy writer. We're comedy writers. So it's like, what's funny about this often kind of dark and bleak, very dysfunctional place? And But, you know, comedies, really good comedies before have, like, shed light on very real problems in society and really crazy aspects of our world with you know, through a comic lens, you know, like All in the Family and, and MASH and things well, like that. Well, there's a great Barney Miller vibe on MASH yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we've, we've heard really that like. a lot. We've heard people talk about that a lot. Uh, because it is, it's not afraid to be dark. Uh, yeah. But it's also not afraid to be silly. And I, and I gotta, and I, all credit due to USA, you know, who, hmm. you know, they usually, you know, they, they give us a lot of, they give us a pretty long leash. And they're mm-hmm. very helpful and supportive. It's funny, it's like you, it's like a, it's like a dad that never had a spank or yell at his kid, but you knew where the line was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, true. we were just, we always knew we had to be wary of crossing it, mm-hmm. but they trusted us enough that, you know, if we put our toe over, they'd be like, give us that look, you know, we were like, sorry, but, um, but we never had to, uh, be, we never were told mm-hmm. specifically no or well, anything like that. It can be very instinctive. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been in the business long enough that you've seen, you've read all the pilots, you know, mm-hmm. you've been through that process as yeah. actors and, and anything else. Mm-hmm. But I'm not surprised that you would be able to kind of do I mean, it instinctively. Sometimes we were confused, you know, like mm-hmm. the, they just had this show, um, they've had a couple shows where they have like coke-headed doctors that are like, you right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And things like that or, you know, uh, there's that show Satisfaction where there's mm-hmm. like uh, couples fucking each other super hard up against a wall and then we're told you know maybe can you not say jag bag is there another word (laughs) you know and we're like but you know i just saw the gardener's ass like reaming this lady in your last (laughs) show but so sometimes it was you realize there was a different set of rules for comedy as there was for drama and um you know so that it definitely we had a 
adhere to that. Well, I want to talk about um, how you guys wound up at USA, but once you two started talking between yourselves about, and, and this show started taking shape, mm-hmm. um, how long was that process? What were you guys doing in your lives at that time? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, we wrote this mm-hmm. pilot in, we wrote it in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, really? yeah, yeah. this had a, this had a long it's, shelf life. I mean, a really unusual trajectory for the show because, you know, I'll try to make give you the very short mm-hmm. version. We wrote it in 2010, sold it to ABC. ABC then passed on shooting a pilot. It was kind of dead for a couple of years, but then someone. Uh, 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 so Melanie, Melanie from Frankel. ABC Studios moved to USA, mm-hmm. and she said she took it with her. And oh, they decided to start making half hours, which right. they'd never done before, and so. Suddenly, it had life, and they gave us a little money to do a pilot presentation. Wait, 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 wait. But then they didn't do anything. <laughs> well, yeah, they sat on it for, they sat on it for a while. And then our contract ran out, and then I think Amazon mentioned, like, oh, and, they re- and then yeah. USA <laughs> said, no, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Was it Amazon or Yahoo? Or it, was Amazon. it was Amazon, yeah. yeah. And so they were like, no, we're doing it. And so they gave us the money to do a pilot presentation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about that presentation because mm-hmm. I'm actually about to do one, so I want to oh, hear about it. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, but in 2010, uh, did you guys pitch the show uh, to ABC and other no, networks, we wrote, or did you write it? We wrote it on spec oh, okay. and gave it to you know our agent, then Michaela's agent, um, and um, it was sold. ABC bought it. That's great. ABC Studios bought it the, uh, through the Mark Gordon company. Oh, okay. Um, so you, you did you get and did you get Mark Gordon Company on board? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the ones that bought like, it, and, and the, he has an gotcha. overall deal with ABC Studios. So mm-hmm. that's how it worked. But then the ABC Network passed on making it mm-hmm. kind of at the eleventh hour, and that's right. well, the, they bought it, and then they got the new president. Uh, but then yeah. Paul Lee came oh, that's in, right. and yeah. I just don't think it was really his bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, yeah. yeah they, and if you look at what they're doing, yeah, or what they were doing, especially at the mm-hmm. time, it was not. This would not have fit in. Yeah, right. he was right. he had just come from ABC Family, I think. Sure. So it, that was more his tone. Uh, mm-hmm. When you guys brought the script to Mark Gordon, or did you pitch Mark Gordon? No, they just no, they read just it. Read they it. read it. So d- we was wrote there... it just to have a. We wrote it. The whole impetus for writing it was let's you know let's let's have a writing sample and let's open up avenues in yeah. our lives because I was you know I'd just come off SNL and we were just sort of feeling like I just feel like we got to... You know, I think I was on unemployment. Were you? Well, no, but but we were. <laughs> what is, I think more importantly, we. You know, I hadn't seen you since you went to New, uh, to New York. I hadn't seen you in about a year. And we ran into each other backstage mm-hmm. during the day, and like, you had just come back from New York, and we had both just come out of kind of hard relationship times, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of were bonding and talking over that, and we. I think we decided to write something out of that, and yeah. it was actually pretty cathartic. Our, our really depressed selves got together and <laughs> yeah. decided to just, write a script. We just raged. And but then, it seems like you had a good attitude about just writing that script. Like, yeah. This no is an idea we both like. Yeah. yeah and, absolutely. and maybe it'll open some doors for us. Yeah. yeah. That's very healthy. Yeah, <laughs> and it did. And it, even though it took a while, it certainly sure. paid off because it's, it's been a great ride. I mean, there's four it, years in the making. It feels there, like... Sorry, every, yeah. it, sorry, I was just going to say, it just feels like sometimes things just happen in the... In when they're supposed to more than when you want them to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't count on this stuff and you can't create the moment. Right. Yeah. For right. sure. Um, was there development? Tell me about developing it in each place as you guys went along. Because, again, it's, it was kind of three years from the beginning mm-hmm. to 
production? Well, we got together, like I said, you know, we had sort of this world and then we wanted to figure out, we were going to make it a vehicle for me actually mm -hmm. at the time. And so, um, how do, how does a character that I would play relate into a world like that? And that was, and we didn't know the first thing about, it's so funny because now that we've had a, a 12 episodes that we developed with John Embaum at, at you know running the room we were like, we're like oh and then we then we're tasked with having to write our episodes during the series in one week opposed to the four months it took over many coffees lunches <laughs> yeah. yes. and naps <laughs> so we're like we have a week wait when are we going to have naps yeah um and so uh we realized we learned we basically learned how to write uh you know in terms of the way TV writers write on the show, but we uh -huh. taught ourselves in when we were writing it. You know, we taught ourselves our version of what an outline meant, and we taught ourselves um, we would because we're both improvisers. We mm. both improvise a lot, uh, a lot of the dialogue, yeah. and if it made us laugh, you know, it went on the page. Um, and then we would ask each other all the questions that would unravel our scripts. Mm. So we were really <laughs> our biggest so um, cheerleaders, and we were our biggest critics in the room. And luckily, we spit out our first version was an hour long that we sent to um, my agent. And he was like, this is totally all over the friggin map. I don't yeah. this is funny. And and then I'm crying. I don't I don't yeah. understand. It went from like Ally McBeal to the wire. Yeah, one page. like one page. And then and then we went away and we rewrote it as a half hour. He's like, just stick to what you know. Uh, <laughs> and so we wrote it as a half hour. And he said the first, he went from, I don't know what this is on the last version to, I can sell this. Wow. And we yeah. were surprised and did a little happy dance. And then, it, and then he sold it. It was amazing. <laughs> amazing. And then you say it and then it happened. And then what it do happened. you think uh, people responded to in, in that version? Uh, in this newer version, I think it was a... Um, I think it, well, there's a couple things. I think one, the character is which we kind of wrote, uh, you know, it was a vehicle for Michaela, and it was a lot of it. That character comes out of her voice, mm -hmm. you know, but also our kind of collective voices uh, of like issues of injustice and and f not feeling comfortable and and you know s strife, interpersonal strife, but also. I think that that world hasn't really been, you know, l legal shows typically. It's a lot of very good-looking people. It's about a v it's very dramatic. The courtrooms are kind of beautiful. <laughs> Most of them are set in like New York or New York adjacent, the tough city, and it's mm -hmm. a lot of people that are very together and know what they're doing. And it's like that just wasn't my experience. Like in the public defenders I've met and talked to, they're all they're they're, they're not bad lawyers. They're not the bottom of the barrel lawyers. They're really good lawyers that are just overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. They have way too many cases. There is no money. They're paid shit, mm -hmm. you know. But they want to help people because you know there's the the grim reality in this country is like if you're poor and you can't afford a lawyer and you're charged with a crime, you're fucked, man. You are at an extreme disadvantage. And there's a lot of good people in that public defender's office that are really trying to do the right mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And they just, uh, in, in so many ways, their hands are tied, mm -hmm. you know, for, for uh, money and for time. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the average amount, if somebody was telling me that the average amount of time you can spend on a murder case totals out a lot of times to around four hours. Hmm. You know, that's, that includes that's interviewing crazy. suspects. Yeah, and you wow. don't, and you know, whereas the, whereas the, the prosecutors have... Right. Their own. They have resources. They have investigators called detectives right. and the police department, and they have those resources. The public defenders they have to use their own. You know, they have to go out and like kind of mm -hmm. snoop around things themselves. And mm -hmm. it's like, when do you do that? And I just I found I, I've 
I grew so much admiration for the guys that we met and talked to about that. But it just that's it's such a perfect cauldron for great stories for sure. of like people really trying hard and often failing, mm -hmm. um, but failing spectacularly. You know, and uh, incredible stress, and them not really handling it that well all the time. You know, trying to, but not doing it really well. Mm -hmm. And also, it, it's funny because the more we talked to public defenders, they loved. They couldn't wait to tell us their stories because no one ever did. It's yeah. all about the glory. We're going to get the bad guy. We're going to get the bad guy. Public defender's office. Yeah, right. it's because they have to. You know, sure. it's. And all we've about, only ever seen the Law and Order side. We've yeah, only exactly. Ever seen the you other know, side. And, and some of them are so. Some of the stories are so just absurd we couldn't even tell them because people would be like oh boy that's, that's hacky that's so hacky that's like crazy. the dumb example it's like <laughs> we could never put this in or people <laughs> would be ahead of it or something because because it is a comedy but it, it's uh one uh somebody told us a story about how uh <laughs> there was a uh uh, defendant uh, who was brought up on, on uh, robbery charges and then one day the one of the jurors lost their coat and the next day the defendant was wearing it. <laughs> defendant came oh into the courtroom God. wearing the stolen jacket. <laughs> Um, but we, you know, oh, that's, that's a great, great. story. I, I, I mean, we haven't figured out. We've tried to weave that in. But we did use the, you know, we we did use a lot of things that we heard story-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, there there was, we did talk to a guy who had a client show up for his drug trial wearing a you know, a shirt with a giant pot leaf on it, you know. And but, you know, it's funny because when you said what was the what was it that people responded to? And I think one of the things that ABC said to us when we went and met with them after they read it was we've been figuring out for a really long time how to crack the nut of having a legal comedy. Yeah. And we've tried it and it's never worked. And I think you guys have figured it out. And we were so stoked. But at the same time, I think. The other thing that people sort of felt off the page is it felt like a show already. Like they could mm -hmm. imagine, mm -hmm. they could just see it living, living in that world for a while. And, um, which is well, a challenge, which, yeah, which is a real really challenge because thing. with writing pilots because, you know, as writers, it's like you, you spend your day trying to think of like, well, what's the next show I can create, you know? And it's like mm -hmm. I can... Oftentimes, I can think of a really funny pilot, but mm -hmm. then it's like, well, what does episode nine look mm -hmm. like? And you're like, what? I don't care. Just sell this stupid yeah. thing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Just pay me for this one. Well, but you're also, I mean, it's, it's a weird line you have to walk, right? Because yeah. you have to set up this world and who these characters are and yeah. what they want and suggest five more years of this thing. Yeah. Um, how did you guys do that? I mean, I think... You're absolutely right that that pilot did feel lived in. It mm -hmm. feels like somewhere we could spend five more years. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you how did you guys figure that out? I think um, you know we wanted to have like a good sort of um, uh, range of characters for one thing, and everybody becomes PDs for different reasons. You know, a lot of people, do, most people, do it because they feel incredibly emphatically passionate about the work that they're doing. That's ninety. Five percent of public defenders. They start out that way. Yeah. Or right. They certainly start out that way. But everybody gets beaten down by the system. In fact, you know, we we um, both uh, shadowed a lot of um, public defenders and did a lot of interviewing and whatnot. And one, there's a lot of them are very young. And the ones who are younger were so fresh faced and like really feel like they're making a change. 
and then you can really see the other ones that just look really beaten down. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are all sort of at a disadvantage. Every, every one of them will talk about how they're already, you know, predisposed to ha- being at a dis- dif- disadvantage because of what they're up against in that legal mm-hmm. system, be it the judges or just the total, you know, mountain of files and work and, and, and cases that, that they have to deal with. Um, and just the fact that, you know, their clients are kind of targeted. I mean, being poor in this country is uh, is really tough because I've never I'm I'm a white girl. I've never, ever been pulled over for riding my bike on the sidewalk. But if you ask somebody of color in Los Angeles, a lot of times they have or they know somebody who has been pulled over two, three times, you know, and that's I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people know that. I certainly was not made aware of that until I, I mean, now with Ferguson, we're certainly being, it's, you know, all this is sort of being pulled to the forefront and it's becoming more headlines. But, but certainly in 2010, when we were writing this, this is not something that was like everyday chatter in the, in the coffee houses because it's 1955. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also not, you know, usual fodder for comedy, Mm -hmm. which I think is what makes this work so well. Yeah. And that's, that's a line that, you know, we have to be really careful with because, um, you know, these are very, there are serious issues, you know, and it's a really, it's a very gritty real world. But, you know, if we take it too lightly and we make this too broad, you know, we're going to look like dicks, mm-hmm. you know, that we're not taking the subject matter seriously. You know, we want to, you know, keep it intelligent and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of shine a light on some things through comedy, but without making light mm-hmm. of the people that are really at a disadvantage. You know, so it's kind of a slippery slope, and we, we try to be really careful of that. Well, there's well. also that delicate balance of, you know, you guys clearly have something to say, and there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a sort of agenda here. But it never takes over the show. Yeah, we yeah. didn't want to. We didn't want to preach ever. Yeah. We never, ever, ever wanted to preach. We just wanted to realistically sort of show uh, what what they're doing. But you know, I mean, there's a couple of things. One, we have a tiny budget. I mean, mm-hmm. we're extremely low budget. And to talk about back to your circle, back to yeah. your question about pilot presentation. A pilot presentation is a great way to get people to kill themselves to make a pilot for a fifth of the money that yeah, it would yeah. cost if they just greenlight. I mean, the pilot we didn't change we anything. You, you the thing We're the, the loop group. We are the loop group on the pilot, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we we absolutely shot the pilot for you know, like I said, like no no money. But you um, shot the full twenty one minutes for the. Purpose. We felt yeah. strongly that needed to happen. Yeah, um, I hear that a lot. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's even that's ambitious though. Because it was they're giving you not a lot of money for a presentation, yeah. I would imagine. But we figured if we're going to go, you know, all in and get cameras and sets and and do all this work, why would we do it to make something no one's going to see? Make a twelve-minute right. sizzle reel of. And some are they going to get scene. it? With yeah, and are know? they going to get it? You know, mm-hmm. it's, I think they needed to see the whole. How thing. it could be a, a, a be a lived-in show. Yeah. But the other thing is, like I said, with with a small budget, you have things like I mean, we have court we have courtrooms. Courtrooms, if public, you know, when you go down to your L.A. County mm-hmm. courthouse, it's just jammed with people coming in and out, moving. Especially moving, the moving. arraignment hearing. So yeah. we're sitting there behind the monitors, being like. Wasn't that guy on the jury? Didn't he sell hot dogs in the last scene? <laughs> yeah. and they're like, don't worry about it. He yeah. <laughs> changed his shirt. You know? Exactly. <laughs> no one will know. Now he's the maitre d. Wait a second. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, because we you've been to some of those arraignment courts with me, and there's like you know a hundred people in the room, and it's just this beehive of activity, yeah. and there's just prisoners jammed into this pen, this mm-hmm. holding pen that's attached to the jail. 
and most of them are minorities and most you know and, and people wait you know the girlfriends and the loved ones and the a lot of recidivism a lot of recidivism and stuff and so many people jammed in there and it's it's hot like I, I was researching like in the spring and it summer it does not and, smell like, good and it, it's hot and it's, it's just a bunch of humanity and everything but like and so we would get on the set like she said in our courtroom and it'd be like yeah, we, we said our you know production manager Pixie. There, yeah, there, there needs to be about fifty more people in there. And how many extras do we have today? Ten. Like, oh, okay, okay. All right, we're just kind of let's let's push the camera in. Exactly. Let's just, let's just push it a little tighter there. there yeah. And it, it works. totally works because yeah, that's it, not the story we're with. Yeah, it was miraculous to the people behind the scenes that did make that work, that's and so that we did get as many people you know to try to recreate that. Mm-hmm. That feeling in the courtroom where there are just so many people jammed into a holding pen, you know, like cattle, uh, and and try to create that world. How do you guys, and again, this is uh, sort of a, a nuts and bolts storytelling question, but how do you keep it from getting cynical? We have to constantly be aware of that. Um, if if left to our own devices, it could easily go there, but we check each other all mm-hmm. the time. We're constantly like, too dark. I think it's too dark. Wait, or are we being pussies? Are we yeah. being pussies? No, and I, and we I, want to say something. Yeah, Wait, are I we want to say something, it? but... But that's yeah. kind of, like I said, we never wanted to preach. At the end of the day, it has to be funny. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it's a half-hour comedy, and it, at the end of the day, that's the ultimate litmus test. I love, you know, I love putting things in there that do say something, but it has to be gleaned almost indirectly. Mm-hmm. It has to just be the world these mm-hmm. people are living in and doing funny things yeah. by... You know, trying and failing. The other, you know. the other thing is that Nina comes with a thing that we've talked about a lot, you and I, Damon, that we feel really lucky. Um, certainly a feeling that I've always related to is that not everybody gets to have this implanted thing. But the thing I'm talking about is when no matter how shitty life is and no matter how, there is a little voice in my head that kind of says like, Keep, just keep ah uh, this, this this sucks but keep going like go a little yeah. you can you know I don't know do this thing over here maybe that will change your cir- your circumstances and your situation Nina our lead character has that you know no matter how bad things yeah. are I think she has that drive yes. and so to keep it from going cynical is that we keep plugging into Nina's drive and mm-hmm. her optimism that things can get better even though she is usually the cause of her own strife. She's actually a really complicated character mm-hmm. and I wonder if you guys had discussions about this with USA because she is optimistic mm-hmm. but she's also cynical. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's a defense. You yeah, know? there's a lot. Go- she's driven but she's also in a way given up mm-hmm. because she's just She's held hostage quiet. by her preconceived ideas of mm-hmm. what her life should be. And I think a lot of Americans can really relate to that. Mm-hmm. That we, especially, you know, we people in L.A., you know, everybody moves here for a reason. Everybody who moves here from another place, or even if they grow up here, mm-hmm. have a drive that that makes them go, oh, I'm going to not pay $350 rent in Portland, Oregon, or wherever I am. I'm going to go, like feel like crap in that other city because I have something I want to say or something I want to do. And I think that for Nina, she has held herself too closely to these immature ideas of how she imagined her life. So when it doesn't go her way, um, you know, broken, uh, uh, what do they say? Like when you... 
when you imagine, uh, when you get let down because you have a, a, a presumption that something's going to work out or mm-hmm. look a certain way, um, I don't handle those well sometimes, you know, like some, like a change in plan sometimes just feels like, oh. Something that doesn't matter. I had so many, I had so much expectations and such high mm-hmm. anticipation for what this moment was going to be. Yeah. And when it didn't become that, I feel, I feel so sad. I feel so disproportionately you know? sad. Yeah. Less slighted than sad. Just like, <laughs> and mad and just mad at myself, mad at the circumstances. And I think you that's know? where a lot of the dark uh, comedy mm-hmm. that we liked came out mm. of this show which was this woman who feels this injustice of what's happened to her in her personal life and she's thrown into this kind of cauldron of real injustice yeah. <laughs> like it's like you you know she's you know that's kind it's of what makes her call. complicated she's in this place where these people are poor they don't have two nickels to rub together mm. they're they're victims of over policing and injustice and being rounded up and put in, in thrown into the system and she's upset because she doesn't She's not able to buy, you know, Hermes' right. purse anymore. But the most you know? liberating thing that can happen to a person in anybody's evolution is, is learning that if you let go of these preconceived ideas, you know, and you deal with what's in front of you, where it ends you up or where it takes you can be so much better. It's yeah. like even the tenant of improv on its own, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't come in with ideas, just yeah. let what happens happen. And that's why it's sort of like a drug to us. We, we think it's so fun because it's the only time I, I would say in my life that, that I certainly completely let go and live in the present. Yeah. And we're trying to instill that in Nina's character that as he, uh, you know, David and I always talk about how as her material world kind of declines her her emotional like evolution uh is on the incline so you know those two those two paths are her humanity and to look you know, at increases. It, uh, paths i think is is the smartest thing right mm-hmm. because it's still an episodic tv show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know she can't learn the lesson it's one step forward two steps back yeah. sometimes you mm-hmm. know as how did we you do. guys start to juggle that with the writer's room i think the first day we sat everybody down and you know they were all picked for very um specific reasons everybody brings something very unique um, how big was the room let me ask uh good question we had nine people total including wow. you including us, us. To, including us so we had seven people um couple I worked with on Trophy Wife, one was a writer, SN, uh, uh, update writer at SNL who was a joke writer, and I always thought she was fabulous. She'd never written, you know, on TV before. Yeah. Another is a Growlings friend of ours mm-hmm. who has a shorthand with us. So when I was on SNL, he's actually somebody that I would often call and be like, I don't know what the rest of the... I, this, is, this is the idea of the joke? What's... Who 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 could it be about? You know what I mean, and and you know he's somebody that I work often work, on. and and you know very well obviously from the Groundlings, and um and then uh and then Andy is like super Andy Berman is very seasoned. He worked mm-hmm. on Psyched for many years, and we loved him in the room. And uh, Joanna Callow is someone that our uh, show John, John worked with, and um, she's like her you know I would say her superpower is like in the room. She just can really. She puts stuff on the board, and, and, and she's always pitching ideas. Like, she's an idea machine, you know. She's Within like, the big right. picture, she had a really good view of the big picture of where we were trying to get to. Yeah, and she was also time. not afraid because, you know, like I said, we had a lot of new writers. Even our friend Jim on the, in the Growlings, this is his first TV job, writing mm-hmm. job. Um, he, he, what's amazing about him is that, what's amazing about Joanna is that she was not afraid to say that everybody 
that doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't. I don't get it. It's not. Yeah. I don't. It, I, I don't buy it. You know. And I'm not afraid I, to debate, which I think a lot of great things came through. Sure. You have to push on back. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and push back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and we did get into it a little. And bit. then everybody and was, got on board with debating, which sure. was really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where some of our best. Because I, I, I think we got so much better and more comfortable with each other, and mm-hmm. in in really burning those ideas and putting them through the fire and mm-hmm. and getting on. And I think that's I felt. It, we were having so much more fun by the end. We felt like we found our stroke more, but That's you great. know. But we, but coming in, we, you know, we told the writers we didn't. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't have. You know, we didn't have anything mapped out. Michaela and I didn't have anything we mapped had out the, about where we wanted it to go. We just had we some had very the basic ideas. Romantic trajectories um, yeah. mapped right. out, but that was it. That was it. Yeah. Then we had like a series of show ideas. Well, not the romantic trajectory is the serialized aspect. Right. Anyway, right. Exactly. The cases are kind of a case of the week. Yeah, right. kind of the, yeah, but th- there was that, and we wanted to kind of slow play that will they, won't they, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that we was also, really the only part of it that was serialized. Yeah. We also didn't do too much cases. We, we did one episode where we, uh, where, there's a sliding door. Uh, we did one episode where, um, where, uh, uh, we did like sort of a procedural, you know, mm-hmm. where it got really detailed, and and then we were all so bored because it's a, because it is twenty minutes. It's a comedy. We're like, what are we doing? This like CSI okay. LA right now? Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. And plus, there's the reality of that world is there's so much more going on. Sure, you know, there's just ten times more stuff going on than you see, and they're dealing with this one case this week, and it's like, no, try. I'm dealing with nineteen cases yeah. this week. You know, everything from, you know, petty shoplifting to, you know, homicide to, mm-hmm. you know, everything at once. And the thing we told the writer's room when we got in there is <clears throat> that Damon and I are big collaborators, that that's what yeah. we want. We don't want to run it like the, o- the only thing that I said, I said, you guys, some of you have way more uh, experience than us. This is our first writer's room. Uh, we're here to learn from you guys completely. Yeah. The only thing that I think we know is is when tonally it's off. We yeah. don't. We can't. Even, we're going to try to articulate what that tone is to you guys, but but I all I can tell you is when it's is when it's off. Mm-hmm. And and Damon's like absolutely. That's the only thing that we feel strongly that yeah. we know. And so which we basically said by just like we want to avoid broad. Mm-hmm. We think real mm-hmm. characters are funnier. We think, you know, real situations, we're going to get more sophisticated comedy out of it as opposed to the setup joke mm-hmm. thing. And, yeah. and you know, that, that's not to say that we're not fans of shows that did skew oh, broader. Like, I was the biggest 30 Rock fan. 100%. You know, I just, I love that show. It's like candy to me. But I felt like in this, this subject matter mm-hmm. deserves something, you know, more, more sure. towards the office, you know, as far as tone and delivery. And so sometimes, you know, Damon and I would get called out of the room to go meet the new composer or whatever, and we would be gone for a half hour, and we'd come back into the room, and the room would say, oh, we broke the story, and it was the first week, and, you know, they would t- say some, some B story that was so crazy pants, and we'd say, okay, that's great, this is why I get why you guys, you know, think it's funny, blah, blah, here's what works, here's what we think is it's just off, and, and sure enough, after a couple weeks... Um, if some, something happened where neither of us could be in the room and we would come back in, they would come up with something and it would be like exactly That's in the target, like in the sweet spot of well, that, exactly. Yeah. And we'd say, this works and here's why. This is fantastic. That this you could say, great. here's why. That you could <laughs> articulate what you wanted and, and what you were looking for. 
just giving the writers a target goes so far. I mean, yeah, which we learn on the fly with them. You know, we learn sure. how to communicate those things. Sure. Uh, how did Enbaum get involved? Um, we just when we were when we found out we were doing the the the. Um, uh, what do you call it? The, the pilot presentation. presentation. Thank you. <laughs> I blocked it out. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much work. Um, yeah, we kind of we we were kind of asked who would we what shows do we like who would we want to meet with. Um, and he was one of those guys that was recommended to us. And we we're like, oh my god, oh yes. my god, we'd love him. That would be incredible. So we met with him, and to know John is to know like Joanna's Joanna. He, he would love this, but Joanna's way of describing him is a lovable robot. <laughs> Because so. he's kind of quiet, mm-hmm. you know, but when he does open his mouth, it's kind of like spellbinding. But in a meeting situation, he is so oh, reserved. God. And so yeah. we met and we laughed and we're like, well, we like him, but we think he might hate us. Yeah. And then we made the pilot and he, he basically the pilot was already written, but he was not, you know, nice to kind of say like, oh, you might want to, you know, be a little more illustrative with this little area or something. And he was he was just great. He was with us for all of that. But um, when we got when it got picked up to series, we got into the room. We saw like mm-hmm. John M. Bomb two two which is it was like, the yeah. funniest, most animated, silliest man I've ever met. I wet my pants one day. <laughs> just like wet ins- my pants yeah, one day. He, just these Unrelated. incredible tendons. <laughs> incredible. I just had to tell someone. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. wild. We wanted Amazing. to funny. That's I think that's the ultimate uh, test of a writer's room is just how much did we laugh? Uh, you know, we, we laughed. Pissed our pants. We died so in there, times. but it so and fun. was it? It was a functional room. Like, what kind of hours did you guys keep? Uh, pretty good because uh, because John is a um, single dad, so he you sure. know definitely wanted to get home to his gal, and yeah. um, and then uh, we tried to I think we did pretty well I think we were out by like seven at the latest seven, sometimes. every once in a while also, we'd order dinner but yeah I think yeah there were a couple nights where we'd kind of burn some oil but like I think John also has, has been on those shows mm-hmm. where it's like I just I got a cot for my office because it's like I spent many nights up there trying to rewrite the and it's just like he just spoke yeah. so ill of it now I think he also kind of Told us, he told us that in his experience, that never really makes it better. Yeah, I think you don't, it doesn't get it's diminishing returns. He feels like everybody's just resentful and nobody's funny. Yeah, after mo- a certain and hour. morale, I think we discovered is important. And we we were hard workers. I mean, we would yeah. get in there and, and work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it was really fun. So we he was really good at managing our time. You know, every once in a while, he's, we would have we would like break out into a half hour story about the gummy bears that were on the table but you know sure. and then you have to get, do that and though. then get back That's... to it yeah you have to reset yeah, a little absolutely. um but there was a lot of passion in that room i, I loved um my personal like most quelly moment was when i i looked around the room and i saw people fighting passionately for certain characters and i felt like oh you guys care yeah yeah oh, it matters yeah. when it's not their show and yeah. they have that kind of passion that's really cool that made me very that's happy great. also one of the fun aspects of the room was it was one of the walls was all glass and it looked out onto <laughs> the street uh, or the street within the studio mm-hmm. and uh, and it, we right adju- adjacent to us was the show girl meets world Okay, so we saw this, like, parade of, like, 
kid actors, really small child actors, but like tween actors, mm-hmm. and then like the stage moms and the stage dads on oh, their cell phones. And like, so it people was like, like West Jim Side Cash- Story yeah. between <laughs> 10 year olds and us. People like Jim Cashman would start to narrate. We couldn't hear them, but we could see them, and he would start to narrate their conversations. <laughs> and I blew snot out of my nose so many times. And we would do that for like forever, an hour and, a and then we found out so that funny. they could hear us. Yeah, then they could hear us. <laughs> so we, one time I was outside on a phone call, and I was standing where they all are, and I could hear oh, them. Could hear people in the room. And so we were all in the room one time, and one of the girls from the show, we were all like doing that thing where it was like mystery science theater where we're watching them but filling in everything that they're saying and this girl turns around and looks right at us we thought there was a reflection like all she could see is herself because they were always looking at at what seemed like us but not really looking at us so we thought they're looking at themselves and she turns around and she goes you guys are so annoying (laughs) (laughs) yeah we kind of are we're like oh Oh, no that's great I love it. Yeah. Um, I know you have to go, so I just want to ask you a couple of quick things. Um, on that pilot presentation, mm-hmm. uh, what do you wish you had known, or what would you do That's differently? A great question. At this yeah, point? That's a good question. That's a really great question. Um, I, I think. Uh, do you have one? I don't know. It, it's hard to say because I, it it wound up working out so well. Sure. I mean, we had like the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, I think. Uh, I think just maybe knowing that it is okay to push for what you want, mm-hmm. to ask for more than you think you're going to get. Mm-hmm. In our case, it was like we negotiated like crazy over a series of weeks leading up to the shoot for one more day, which costs money, yeah. and that one extra day. And then we wound up getting another half day after that. Like, we just started kind of milking we a had, more. We were, supposed more to, we were only supposed to have three days. Three, it was supposed to be a three-day shoot, and we wound up having four and a half, which mm-hmm. we just, just under the wire got everything mm-hmm. Did we get four and a half or just four? It was four, and then the next day we only shot for like four or five hours. Mm. But uh, it it, it all turned out so well. But that's valuable advice, though. Yeah, I mean, always be afraid. Mm -hmm. It never hurts to ask for what you want, and you know whether you don't have to, you know, become contentious about it. I feel like I feel like if we knew better, also um, just how to navigate, not not for any reason because anything bad happened but just for my own edification and mm-hmm. clarification the, how to navigate the relationship between the creators of the pilot and the the director of that pilot because there's a lot of create creative you know uh, uh, weight on their back as well mm-hmm. so they should be able to mm-hmm. bring their own creative you know, look to it. And with Mike Fresco, he really did, you know, leading up to the, to the shoot was very, uh, communicative with us and and really collaborative and everything. But once we got into the shoot, you're moving so quickly. I don't think we really knew when, um, and so we just started doing it, but there's probably cleaner ways. I'm just looking in retrospect Mm -hmm. now, there's probably cleaner ways, or I wish there was like sort of a, a, a pamphlet that they pass around. Maybe there is, um, of, you know, where the lines are, because, we we really wanted what we what we wanted, especially tonally out of that first opening scene, because we knew this was the first time there were going to be eyes on it, and and because it was a sketch, we knew it worked. You know, we we're like, sure. you know, this moment has been moment. tried and true right. for with audiences for a while. So, um, how do you translate that into film? And one of the things we also learned in the edit from that is things that work on a stage 
you know, feel like an eternity on a screen. Yeah. You know, sure. so. Depending on how it's shot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he did a great job. We got very lucky. Yeah, we got very lucky. Because he, he prepares, like, so meticulously. Mm-hmm. And he really, every single moment, like, he, right. he, I mean, he's an old pro, so. Well, that's how you can get away with doing a high-quality thing yeah days for no budget yeah. yeah for sure yeah it 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 was such like i said it was such a best case scenario for us the way that um, that worked out let me ask you just quickly you know you guys wrote this for michaela mm-hmm. was there were there rewrites after you your cast was in none. place none none really? really because we we hired somebody who got our voice that's great yeah. we hired somebody who just instant i mean we sat down with eliza when before uh when we were making her an offer on it and just to meet her and hear her thoughts and everything and her patter, her, her verbal pattern and her spasticness and her, all the way she, you know, sees herself, her self-deprecating hilarity, and you know, a everything. Very dark sense of humor. And her dark, dark, dark sense of humor. It was all aligned perfectly with it us. Just, we and knew immediately. Yeah. She can make it fly. That line yeah. completely blurred. There was yeah, no more fantastic. line between me or her. Yeah. <laughs> there is now, though, right? There, no, we're the same. Not, not a lot of boundaries. <laughs> Hi, I'm Elijah. It's good. Elijah. Um, let me ask you before we wrap up what you guys are watching on television these days. Oh. What are you getting excited about? What are you inspired? What are you talking to each other, to your uh, families about? Mm. Well, it's funny because for comedy writers, like I, I, I watch mostly dramas. Like me too. I've been watching a lot. The Americans mm. on FX. Sure. Uh, is pretty great. Mm. Um, I love Louis. Um, that's, that's, that's a great show. It's genius. Um, yeah, I love watching old episodes of Thirty Rock. I can mm-hmm. I can watch them all day long. I just love them. Yeah, I'm I'm same. You know, I again I like the I like I like shows where people take time with their characters. You know, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying House of Cards right now. Um, God, it's brilliant. And uh, and. Uh, uh, a lot of the, you know, Netflix, like the, uh, um, I'm sorry, and Amazon, like Transparent, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying. Uh, I just actually watched it all in one night, the other night. Um, and uh, um, I, you know, I'm behind for somebody who does everything that's involved in television. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only just now starting to watch um, Masters of Sex and things uh, like that. So but Mad yeah. Men, I just love beautifully i watch fargo you know just really beautifully stylized um yeah, dramas are just so really bad. nice and they're inspiring and i feel like that might be the next stop for us is trying something cool. um uh, you know not straight up <clears throat> hour-long dramas yeah. maybe light a light to drama yeah, um, yeah so benched is on right now on usa right now um we're like Three or four in, I think. Yeah, we're two, two in. in. Oh, that's two it. Okay. Third one, uh, episode three airs Tuesday at ten thirty. Two Tonight down, ten at ten thirty, you guys. Yeah. Um, and there are twelve altogether. Twelve altogether, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so it's, it'll run it, through this year. Yeah, and they they stand alone, and, and as you get towards the end, and you get to know everybody, it starts to connect. Cool. They they get a little more serialized. I can't wait. Um, you don't know if there's a second season yet. Nope. But no. we should have everyone write letters to USA. Yep. Is that how it works? Well, and yep. if the network is listening, we're going to need to know by the end of business today. <laughs> and, and I would like them to write sure, letters, like yes. pen yes. a letter. <laughs> I would, pen a letter. Yes. yes. Write an old. Don't fashion. just tweet. No, just really get that ballpoint. Uh, are you your... both on Twitter? Yes, I'm oh, yes. at Where Mc... can people find you at Michaela Watt. That's M I C H A E L A W A T. Okay. I'm at Mr. Damon Jones. All right. So 
uh, tweet at these guys and tell them how much you like the show and watch the show tonight and every Tuesday on USA. Thank you both for being here. We I like really your show. It. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's Thanks meet so again much. next season. Okay. I'd love to. <laughs> okay. Love to. Thank You'll you be guys. like, congratulations so on your show. <laughs> 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 now leaving Nerdist.com. 